When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. We're back. Thanks for uh, joining the program on for uh, a week, obviously, for the holiday. Long run by the Avalanche, even longer run by the Nuggets. As both teams make the playoffs, the Abs end up a little early, and the Nuggets win the whole thing. We're going to look at both teams, obviously, given the moves that have been made in the offseason, the NBA, of course, and it's a standard sort of madness that (laughs) arrives when the free agency period hits. Changes this year because of the CBA trades and other moves have shaken up what the Denver Nuggets will be. We'll take a look at the Avalanche uh, in a little bit as well as we kind of do a little bit of a catch-up here. But the nice thing about being off for a week, Sandy, is we got to see the changes that both of these teams have made and kind of got to let them sit and percolate and get an idea of, of where they're going in the nuggets case. When you're the champion, there's a reason that's hard to repeat. You know, players leave uh, every time you see the championship team here or anywhere else, uh, players leave Bruce Brown departs for the Indiana Pacers for a contract that nobody in Denver, I think should be frustrated in which he took. Obviously it's a no brainer. He has to take it. And, and good for Bruce Brown, who earned it. But the Denver Nuggets make a couple of moves. Most of it's just retaining their players. Now, the interesting part is they use that mid-level, mid-level exception, basically the biggest tool they had, given the fact that they're trying to avoid that second CBA apron in which uh, we won't get into the vast details of it. But at that point, the cost really gets prohibitive, even for the wealthiest of owners, really only Golden State, who's been trying to dive under it, and Phoenix with this new owner, Matt Ishbia, who simply doesn't care, is blowing past it. But that second apron is, if not a, a salary cap, it sort of functions as one for the vast majority of teams, and that likely includes the Denver Nuggets. So their big move is bringing back Reggie Jackson, who they just basically kind of picked up off the street, more or less, signing him to a $5.1 million deal, which is that mid-level exception, drafting the three players, Julian Strouther, Jalen Pickett, and Hunter Tyson, and otherwise bringing back DeAndre Jordan, which happened about one minute after free agency broke. And that's it. So this team essentially loses Bruce Brown, loses Jeff Green, who were there up until really the tail end in which uh, of the finals in which I think Christian Brown surpassed Jeff Green. Yeah. But we're talking right. about their sixth and eighth men. And for the majority of the season, their sixth and seventh men replacing them with Correct. essentially nobody externally. How much of a concern... Is that for you? It's an interesting question, and it's a question I've been getting for the past 10 days since we've been off, uh, at least from Nugget fans who are uh, curious. And uh, there seems to be a a little bit of a division of opinion on it. Uh, I, I think we need to remember that 
through the first half of the season and even parts of the second half, the Nugget bench was considered the major weakness of any that you could reasonably identify, right? Mm -hmm. I I think the concern was what happens in the playoffs during the non-Jokic minutes. As it turns out, we know this as a fact, the bench was excellent in the playoffs because the Nuggets without Jokic were a minus three. Which is remarkable. Not minus 300, not minus 130, not minus 100, minus three for the whole playoffs. That's 20 games. You want to know why you so win a title. That's one of the reasons. So they basically broke Get even it. in the non-Jokic minutes. They held their own. Now, we can isolate a couple of examples, game four of the finals being one, in which uh, they were up 10 when Jokic went out and up nine when he came back. And against the Lakers in game three, he had foul trouble. He went out. And I think the Nuggets may have even gained a, a few points between the time he went out and the time he came back in. Because as I remember, they were in no rush to put him back in. Right. There was no need. There was no need to because they were doing well with Jokic on the bench. So that, that much we know. And I understand that there are some who feel that the loss of Brown and even the loss of Green represents a loss of years of experience, guys who were more than accepting of their roles coming off the bench. Uh, My argument, and I think at times perhaps yours too, was that Green was getting too many minutes. But I thought by the end of the season, his contribution from game to game correlated with the minutes he was getting more closely than they had at any time during the season. And even in more restricted minutes, he made some big plays. And that and some of that it, credit goes to Michael Malone, who, exactly. who evolved exactly. as a coach exactly. and started but handing much out those better minutes. in the playoffs yeah. in uh, deploying players properly. Uh, most of all, including his bench. And I think much of the reason the Nuggets were only a minus three in the non-Jokic minutes was that uh, the coach manipulated those minutes quite successfully, uh, much more so than he had not only during this past season, but in years that preceded this year. And I mean years, not year, years. That was a struggle. And I think it was a struggle right after the bubble. Because remember during the bubble, the bench was pretty good. And I, I just got through reading Ben Golliver's sensational book on the bubble, entitled Bubble Ball. And I'd forgotten some things, as as occasionally you do when you're 65 and three years elapse. And it it really was apparent three years, that, to be totally there fair. were people there, there were people up to and including Michael Porter Jr. who were really pretty good in the bench coming uh, in the bubble coming off the bench. After that, remember they lost Jeremy Green, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy Graham, Grant, right? And uh, you know they they brought some guys in, and it was the first time that they had really changed over their roster um, significantly. I mean, five or six new players to start after a very short off season, the 21-22 season, which you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, 2021 season, which started around Christmas time and was only 72 games. Right. Much fewer changes this year. And 
not a long offseason, of course, but a longer offseason than they had after the bubble, Mm -hmm. which was, what, 10 weeks, maybe? It was was, was short. It was short. It was very short. This is longer than that. Highly unusual. And they don't have as many changes to make. Now, I understand, say you lose Brown, you lose Green, you lose your sixth and seventh men for much of the season. Uh, Your bench all of a sudden becomes a question mark, and uh, John Hollinger of The Athletic, uh, whom I respect, former NBA executive, uh, I don't agree with him uh, on a point that uh, Phoenix closed in on Denver because Phoenix somehow uh, managed to, uh, in his opinion, uh, load up their bench with younger guys, guys in their late 20s, not 35 or older, and and get them at minimal cost, which is the only way they could go. And apparently his opinion is that they did a better job of that uh, than the Nuggets did with uh, the drafting of older guys and, and, and the return of uh, Reggie Jackson. Uh, the, the only move the Nuggets made, and I, I, I don't agree that it's that extreme, uh, Phoenix's bench has got to prove it to me. So, and, and I understand they brought in some guys who on paper look pretty good. But if San Antonio lets you go and you're in your 20s and they're letting you go, I, I'm, they, they don't make personal mistakes. When they Not let often. people go. That's for sure. Yeah. When, they, when they trade people or let them leave, right? And so... It, that that was the argument. Well, look look at all these players who are who are key players, and I you know, don't have any idea why San Antonio. I was surprised that San Antonio let. It. I'm never surprised when San Antonio lets a player go, of its own volition. I'm not talking about Kawhi Leonard leaving. I'm, I'm talking about of their own volition letting a player go. Um, I wonder about that player. I think the Nuggets did okay. The only signing I didn't really understand was the Justin Holiday move for one year. I, I didn't get that one. Uh, the Jackson move, two-year deal, uh, he, he gets another shot. And I think both of us thought that maybe Bryant would get that shot as opposed to Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. They decided differently, and we'll see. I like Reggie Jackson as a player. It didn't seem to work out, at least for this year. Maybe next year. It will work, but he'll have competition. And I hope it's open-ended in the sense that you've got Pickett, you've got Gillespie, and you've got Reggie Jackson. And may the best man win of those three. One of them is going to be part of the rotation this year and get 15, 20 minutes a game. I think the best player, as I see it, now that he's healthy, of those three is Gillespie. He's the best shooter of the three by far. It's not even close. Yeah, you could see it last night in Summer League, by the way. He's just as tough as the other two. Now, does he handle the ball as well as Pickett or as well as Jackson? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I think he's a better competitor. I think he's a much better shooter. I think he's a better defensive player than the other two guys are. And... I, I don't put a lot of stock in summer league, but when I watch him, I watch to see if he looks right, if he looks fully recovered from the knee injury, and he looked that way to me. 
I, I thought he so would be too. my choice as their back. Summer point. league has looked uh, has been interesting, and you're right. You don't put much stock into it, with the exception of when you see someone absolutely dominate that competition. You can generally guess they're NBA ready when they dominate. Uh, for example, we saw Peyton Watson in Game One. Uh, by far, look like the, the Nuggets lost that game. Again, it's irrelevant. These are yeah. basically scripts. Oh, no, you don't care about but, who wins and loses. Uh, Peyton Watson looked like the best player on the floor from the moment he stepped on the entire game. And, of course, he was with the Nuggets all year. Right. Uh, he should have looked good. I, he should have looked good, but he did. And he looked like a guy that is, that is ready to contribute more right. minutes uh, from the get-go at the beginning of this season. And, and, you know, we look at the Suns. They brought in Keisha Bates' job. Uh, they brought in, you know, Drew Eubanks. They brought in Eric Gordon, who's, you know, now coming into his 16th season. Uh, Damian Lee, Yuta Watanabe, a player that I, I thought was kind of interesting, but not a guy that I thought was going to be a big contributor. I, I'm I'm with you. I there's I want to see it. There are some familiar I names because uh, guys like Gordon, for example, have been around a long time, was a top 10 pick. I yeah, get I, that. I, I think that's a good signing. Actually, I do but too. He's one of the older ones. He's one of the older not ones. The oldest. Uh, he's the oldest. Of the bunch, uh, a bit, right? Well, behind only he's Durant. 34. Only Durant is older, right, on okay. the team. Right, uh, but yes. he's thirty-four. He's thirty-four. Right so, uh, yeah. And I, I actually, I thought that was the best sign. And the guy who was closest to being the kind of guy that you normally can pick up, and who's right around thirty-five. That's years where old. I kind of look at the Justin Holiday pick. And Justin Holiday's been in the league ten years, and I think when you look at the numbers, you're going, well, hasn't he played for ten teams? Now? He has he's played for ten teams in yeah. eleven years. Yeah, he's he's bounced around. That is absolutely for sure. But you know, uh, and I'm not making the apples to apples comparison because he's 33 years old. But Bruce Brown bounced around too, and what happened is, at least when you look at the skill sets, Calvin Booth took a look at that skill set because he's building the Denver Nuggets around, as you should, Nikola Jokic. And everybody on this roster is designed to complement Nikola Jokic and how this team plays. The holiday signing is not a huge deal to me because it was so comparatively low, two, just $2 million uh, for this year, which uh, he and DeAndre Jordan basically got the veteran minimum. Right. Uh, the Jackson signing to me is a little riskier simply because of exactly what you discussed. What's the end game there? I think that if Reggie Jackson does not play a lot better than what we saw, I think that not only Gillespie, but Jalen Pickett is probably better than him. And if that's the case... Well, if that's true, then, then, then it was a bad signing. Then you had a bad signing. You then signed a, a guy for, for you know two years, basically right. $10.2 million. The, the next year is a player option, which if Reggie right. Jackson does not play well at age 33, yeah. you would presume he'd opt back in yeah. for $5 million. Now, you know, Jeff Green uh, obviously was not going to be that guy because he played well enough to get more money. Right. Now, would Reggie Jackson play enough to get more money? I suppose, but if he gets passed by Gillespie or Pickett or either or both, now you're the number three. Well, if he's number three out of those three, it's a bad sign. If he's number, if he's number, if two, he's out of number those three, two out of those three, it's questionable. Um, if he's number one out of those three, he plays 15, 20 then minutes a game, makes and he's perfect fine. Sense at five makes sense. Right. It does mean that you're not rushing Gillespie or Pickett. That's for sure. And we've seen, at least in summer league, in only two games, that Gillespie and Pickett have started these games together. Right. And the idea... As, as they should. Yeah, the yeah. idea is now you have two guys who can handle the ball, which right. adds some unpredictability to the bench. Right. Uh, Gillespie is a better shooter, but Pickett is not a poor shooter. And Pickett has a slightly larger... He has a larger body. He's a bigger body and can defend. So 
I, I think what, I, what I've seen here, Holidays is, is an interesting addition because I think there is some ability there. You know that he's not Oh, he's a small forward, forward though. He, yeah, he's not, he's right. not a they guard in a any guard, way, he's, he's a 6'6 six, no, six guy not. with a longer he, wingspan, 6'9 six, six, wingspan. 6'6 with a long wingspan, exactly right. He, he's out there and to play defense uh, on the wing. His battle is with the aforementioned Peyton Watson. Right. And to, and back to my of mind, Michael Porter Jr. for playing time. Watson looks more than ready to make I that agree. Lead. That's why I didn't really understand the, the holiday signing because, I, I, I mean, fine. You, you, it's a veteran you can, minimum if, deal, if but it does take veteran, a slot. If, if, if you put their roster together right now, the 16 guys, right? obviously they're not going to all start the season with the team. I mean, there'll be, there'll be some guys, and I, that Tyson might be one of them. Uh, who are on two-way deals and uh, here in the G League? Possibly, I'm not sure though. He looks, he looks ready. To well, too. I, I I like him, but but maybe it's, it's but maybe it's there, worth getting 20, Gordon, 20 plus minutes a night in the G League. Is he again? That's is not he playing at Shansha? all. Is he better right? than Shansha? Is Tyson better than Shansha? He might so that's yeah, the same kind of kind of thing. And maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Uh, I think there's a better chance that Watson can do more things to help them, especially on the defensive end of the floor, than Holiday can do. And I, I see Holiday uh, salary being dumped by Atlanta, and he falls out of the rotation in Dallas. Although it wasn't even yeah. in the although Dallas was has had to, was let's say directionless, unfortunately. I, as a I know, but you didn't look at Dallas and wonder why isn't Justin Holiday playing. Correct. That wasn't one of the questions. You no, had no, it was not. Uh, not averaging, you know, four point four and shooting thirty six percent. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting addition. I think there's a possibility of upside there. I think Calvin Booth has probably earned the benefit of the doubt. You, you mentioned accidentally Jeremy Grant. By the way, if there's anybody who's handled free agency better than Jeremy Grant, let me know. When Jeremy Grant played for the Nuggets for eight point seven million, I'm back, a fan, and I, I don't do, understand the twenty nineteen twenty twenty season. He made eight point seven million. He parlayed that into a two year, roughly forty million dollar deal with the with the uh, Pistons. He went to Portland for a year for $20.1 million. Then he signed a new deal with Portland for five years, 160. Get this. When he played, when he finished his season with the Denver Nuggets, Jeremy Grant, who's a good player, had made 19, $19.1 million in his career. Right. Jeremy Grant has since guaranteed himself $222.6 million. Good job, Jeremy Grant's well, agent. Yeah. Holy and, cow. And if you like making money, he's been more than a good player. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's been paid like a great player. He's been paid like an all-star. Yeah, and that's, he of course, is not Portland an all-star. makes that deal. And then and I, I they, thought Portland was crazy. And then they signed that deal with, with Grant. And then after the deal with Grant, Damian Lillard then says he wants a trade. What a, what a wreck for Portland. Well, it, okay. It, correct me if I'm wrong. The only reason. To sign Jeremy Grant to that kind of deal was to is to convince Lillard Damian to Lillard that Stain is a worthwhile endeavor. You draft Scoot Henderson, who takes some of that load off of you, right? But you he wants Grant. he wants veterans around him who 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 have been part of the program and are winners and all that. And they thought Grant would help their argument, and it. Certainly didn't help their argument. May have hurt their argument. He may have looked at that and said, "They're crazy. They're crazy to pay that much money for for a guy who is a good player, but nothing more than that." I you know, average twenty points per game for the second time in his career this year. He, yeah, I agree with you. He's he's a very good player. But boy, you sign a 
five-year, $160 million contract. That guy needs to be close to a star. Well, he's going to get his minutes, especially as they yeah, trade Damian Lillard. We will yeah, see. So let's take a look, and we, we come back here, what the Denver Nuggets lineup might look like. We know the starters. None of them have moved. But without and they Bruce still have Brown, the starting five in the NBA. They do. And without Bruce Brown and without Jeff Green, what does it look like? Sandy and I will take our best guesses, even though, yeah, I get it. It's July. We'll do it. We'll take a peek at the champs a little bit deeper next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. During the regular season, your rotation is longer than it is in the postseason, obviously. You know, you're really talking uh, eight at most in the postseason and really sometimes down to seven getting significant minutes. And by That's the- sort of how it was in game five. Yeah. By the the end, you had your sixth man is Bruce Brown, your seventh man is Christian Brown, and then at that point, Jeff Green is sort of Jeff Green played eight minutes, I think, in game five. So let's say it's it's eight by the time the postseason rolls around. And I'll give you who I think it will be. And let me know if this is enough. I I think we are going to agree. We know the starting five is going to stay the same. Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr. in the front court, Caldwell Pope, and Murray in the backcourt. The sixth man is going to be Christian Brown. I don't think there's a question about that because Christian Brown was even starting to creep up to close to Bruce Brown's minutes uh, by the end. So Christian well, Brown is going to be... 24 minutes. Yeah, he's going to be the sixth man. He can defend multiple positions. We, we know about his fit with the team already. Uh, the only, And it's worth noting, no matter where he was picked, when you look not, not just in the finals, but you go really into the conference finals and even the conference semis, Christian Brown was the only rookie playing significant minutes on any of those teams. Christian Brown's going to be the sixth man that season. Now, I think the Nuggets are envisioning Reggie Jackson to be the seventh as the ball handler off the bench. Right. I agree. And going to go smaller. Whether he can hold that or not, I don't know. The eighth man, I think, at this stage, is clearly Peyton Watson's job to lose. Another guy that can defend multiple positions, plays bigger than he is, uh, a human Super Bowl. Uh, energy all over the place, bouncing all over the place uh, in the summer league game last night. Uh, tried to save a ball at the baseline. It He threw it back in, trying to save it uh, the way you do, kind of random, aim it back into the court. It unfortunately went to an Atlanta player. It went to uh, Gay. Uh, Gay tried to dunk it, and Watson somehow got from out of bounds, springing all the way back and blocking him, and yeah, getting a foul That's with it as well. his move, and that kind of move was what Made him appealing to Calvin Booth. It's remarkable. That is a very kind to of get play. back up into a play right. and disrupt defensively in an instant. And so I think that's the fit, and I think that's where Watson sits. Now, the question is... Watson is a younger, uh, more athletic, uh, perhaps more defensively inclined Jeff Green. Yeah. I, I, I see that as his spot. Uh Seventh, I agree with you on that. I think it's Jackson for now, but he may be beaten out by Pickett and or Gillespie. And Brown is unquestionably the sixth man. And after that, I I think of the three 
draft pick, Strother has the best chance uh, to be the ninth. I, I I agree. In fact, I, I okay. I've, I've penciled so him in. We're we're simpatico on this. Yeah. And that that then that's interesting. There now, my I do wonder how much of a drop off that really is, and that's the part that I think. Well, that's the debate. Yeah, that's the debate. Now, look, because, because listen, expecting Christian Brown instantly to be everything that Bruce Brown was. In the playoffs, who is as clutch a performer as anybody? Yeah, it just is. It is. is. He 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 is not as offensively developed as Bruce Brown. He is in his second year. Bruce Brown's played what five years in the NBA now. Mm -hmm. Two at Detroit, two at Brooklyn. I think that's right, and one with Denver. All right, so we we've got to be fair about this, but I think defensively. Christian Brown can do most everything that Bruce Brown did. And it is one of those guys whose energy very much like Bruce Brown is expressed in a way that inspires his teammates. Now, Bruce Brown's energy was most evident in transition. Uh, Christian Brown can provide energy that way, but I think it's his scrappiness on the defensive end of the floor that gives his team a lift and his movement without the ball on offense makes him someone who has to be accounted for. He is not a three-point threat at this point in his career. Uh, but I don't know that Bruce Brown, after his rookie year, was considered much of a three-point threat either. But he, he isn't going to be instant Bruce Brown. Uh, I think they're going to give one of those point guards a chance to play fairly regular minutes off the bench but one of those three and I, I think Watson is perfectly suited you don't need your eighth man to be score this team certainly doesn't need the no. eighth man in its rotation eighth man and what at most will be a nine maybe depending on an injury sometimes 10 man rotation uh, you don't need that eighth man to score you don't frankly you don't need the ninth guy to score if there is a ninth guy and you got Najee in there and you got Sean Char and I suppose you have DeAndre Jordan although I think DeAndre Jordan fills the Udonis Haslam spot <laughs> on the Nuggets the senior the, citizen who's a good guy in the room and never the, ever played DeAndre Jordan role he filled last year uh so I mean that they were happy with that uh keep in mind too Reggie Jackson over the course of his career is a 12.8 point per game score and um over the course of his career, last year, of course, given uh, with the Nuggets, he did not get there. But uh, on the whole, on the season with the Clippers and the Nuggets, he did. He got to 10.2. He's been under that since the 2012-2013 season only once. He's been a double-digit scorer every year. So there are some potential points coming from that as well. But, you know, Strother is a scorer. Tyson is going to be a spot-up guy. And, and you're right. When you look at Tyson and maybe even Pickett, it may end up being that one of those guys gets a two-way deal where the Nuggets feel it's better to have them play 20 minutes a night in Grand Rapids rather than True. not play at all in Denver. Exactly and there's right. a good argument no, to be that, made for that. That's no knock when I when I say there'll, there'll be guys on, on two-way deals. It's not a knock. Well, Gillespie was going to be one if he had knock. been healthy. Right. It's not a knock. It's not a knock. It just means that you want to get, in order for the player to develop properly, want to get him minutes. And if it has to be the G League, it's still minutes. He's still playing basketball. He's still developing his game. And in fact, he may 
be even more confident, not be, just because he's playing more, but because he's succeeding more often than he would he, he would succeed here. The, the thing that I think people took for granted about Christian Brown, there was never for a second a thought of putting him in the G League. No. It, it was it was never a thought. And, and I will, he was that impressive early on. I think the Julius Strother is also not under consideration to go to the G League. I think that the Nuggets of know the what three, they got. he's the least. I, likely I think to they're go. fully aware that he's going to stay uh, with the team. Worth noting, but, but by Tyson, the way, I could see there because you it. want him to play. You want him to play, I and I, I can even see Pickett there because you want him to play. You don't want him rotting on the bench. It, that's what you have veterans for. That's what you have DeAndre Jordan for. It. it, it Guy who doesn't have to play to have an impact on, your and that team. doesn't mean he if can you help start him practice, with the two, two you can deal. counsel younger players. But Tyson and Pickett could be with the Nuggets when the playoffs start. That, well, that doesn't necessarily yeah, have any. It, it doesn't on preclude that. that. Bruce Absolutely. Brown, by the way, in his rookie season, and he had just completed his fifth, shot two fifty eight from three point twenty five point eight percent, and that was playing nineteen point six minutes per game with the Detroit Pistons. Well, Christian Brown ended the regular season with the Nuggets at fifteen point five. So right. somewhat similar, but shot 354 yep. from three. So at this point in his career, he's a substantially better shooter than Bruce Brown was. Now, Brown then did uh, jump up to 344 in his next year and then dropped all the way after that in Brooklyn his first year to 28.8. But his career numbers, 341, and even with the Nuggets, he shot 358. Brown shot 354. Now, that's... Regular season. In the postseason, yeah. Bruce Brown, I think, elevated his game substantially. Yeah, and, and Christian Brown seemed hesitant about taking threes in the postseason because at first he wasn't making them. And I think he made the right choice to eschew the three ball, and I'm sure he had some encouragement in so doing from uh, the coaches. Uh, but he was able to do, as the playoffs were on, with the exception of that uh, almost a game and a half at the end of the Lakers series where he didn't play. And, and I thought was properly treated at, at that point. Uh, the Nuggets felt that he wasn't matching up that well uh, against the Lakers and matched up, as it turned out, a lot better against the Heat, matched up pretty well against Phoenix and reasonably well uh, against Minnesota. Yeah, he had a good playoff here. But, but I, 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 don't, I don't believe in extremes. Uh, and... You know, I think we need to remember that the bench was questioned at times during the season for, for whatever reason. Maybe you questioned the coach's use of his personnel coming off the bench, which we did. Uh, maybe you questioned even Bruce Brown, I thought, flattened out a little bit the second half of the year and then picked it up again in the playoffs, which is fine. That that was kind of the Nuggets' M.O. Uh, going into the playoffs that they had sort of conceded that the last month of the season would be spent getting guys healthy and not winning a ton of basketball games because they didn't have to. They had all but clinched first place in the West with a month to go in the season. Their calculations were correct on that. I think the bench needs to play early next year. That's the one thing that I I, I would state uh, without equivocation. And if they're not good, you still got to go yeah. with them. It, it, you, you can't start playing Jokic and Murray 35 to 40 minutes in early season games. It, it just didn't make any sense. They should never be over 35 minutes, almost regardless of the circumstances in, you know, October, November, December. Yeah. There's a bigger picture view here. It, for the there's Nuggets. just no reason to do that. 
Worth noting that so even, even the, if guys come off the bench and they struggle a little bit, you got. I yeah. think you have to stick. Well, what you're doing in that case is if you believe in the players, you're you're investing in them. You're giving them time that you will pay off in the future. And I think Michael Malone this year, at the beginning of this upcoming season, is a different coach than he was at the beginning of last season. And I think there's a chance that will work. Worth noting, by the way, that in the playoffs, Bruce Brown finished with a three-point percentage of 316, so not as good as you might think. Uh, substantially better than Christian Brown, who was at a, a 200, stopped doing it. But when you look at their two-point efficiency, uh, both of them were lights out. Now, Brown did get in the minutes and over the playoffs, especially because of the Lakers series, as we talked about. Uh, he got double the time that Christian Brown did. Christian Brown, and he 13 minutes, and, and Bruce Brown, 26.5. There were times in the playoffs, and, and not just very occasionally, more often than very occasionally, in which he was their third best player. Bruce Brown. Certainly. Behind Jokic and Murray. Absolutely. Even better than Gordon, better than Porter. Uh, Brown was a ridiculous uh, 589 on two-point shots, giving him an effective field goal percentage, kind of an advanced metric that takes it all into account, of 563, which is pretty good. Christian Brown on two-pointers, 629, giving him an an effective field goal percentage of 556. Not that much of a drop-off. And the reason that you use that stat is because it's working on your efficiency. Then understanding that if you're hitting a high percentage of twos and not taking as many threes, well, that's okay. Because if you're taking a lot of threes and missing a lot of threes, it is reducing your efficiency. So at least in an efficiency standpoint, which I think is indicative of a player's sort of maturity and basketball IQ in the moment, Bruce Brown was a better player than Christian Brown, but maybe not by as much as people think. And while I do think, if you were to ask me, would I rather have Bruce Brown as the sixth man or Christian Brown this year? Of course I'd say Bruce Brown. So with the Nuggets, they wanted to keep him. And so with the finances. But I don't think <laughs> that uh, one guy's making 22 and a half and the other year, guy's making three. Right. By the end of the year, if Christian Brown is contributing 80% of what Bruce Brown did, and I think he will be. At one-seventh the cost. Right. And that's how you're going to have to play this new CBA world when you're talking about the way that the teams have to manage the cap and its aprons. That's what the... Suns are trying to do. They are obviously trying to get guys to lighten the load off of their big stars, all of whom who have suffered significant injury history in their career, with the exception of, of Aiton, I suppose. But but the Nuggets have an opportunity here with young guys that can kind of run all day. That there's there's something appealing to me about the concept of watching conceivably off the bench Brown and Strouther and uh you could, you could put in who you, you'd like. If you like it to be Chanchard, that's fine, or Peyton Watson. Right. And having a veteran like Reggie Jackson handle that ball, if it were, I there's a lot to like about that. And, and enough to believe, at least for me, even though the bench is going to drop off, I don't think this team needs to be minus no. three no, when no, Nikola no. Jokic is out in the playoffs. That was fantastic, yeah. but I don't think you need it no. to be a championship no, competitor. Of course not. I, I mean, the bottom line for the Nuggets is that, and again, this declaration is a matter of opinion, of course, but the Nuggets starting five is as good as any starting five in the league, and I would argue is the best starting five. That's a matter of opinion. Via offensive efficiency, it is. It is the best starting five. Here is a fact. And there's no turnover. Here is a fact. The Nuggets did not have the means to prevent the departure of Bruce Brown. No, that's even, if, a fact. even if they'd wanted to. That's a fact. They didn't. They're, 
They couldn't have offered him more than $7.8 million in this yeah, next they didn't year. He's getting rights. almost three times that from Indiana. So it is a fact that they had no means to prevent him from leaving. It, no chance to keep him. After that, uh, I, I think you take Strother, Pickett, and Tyson, and I think it's reasonable to project that one of them, and probably not more than one, will be a part of the rotation either as your third or fourth guy coming off the bench at some point during the season, maybe not right at the outset. And with a second unit of Brown, Jackson, and if not Jackson, then Pickett or Gillespie, Watson and Strother, I I think that's a decent bench. And Strother's not a teenager. No, he's 21 right now. Uh, and played in an elite college program for three years. Right. Uh, ready to chip in right now. And, that and was he is an NBA track. range three-point shooter. That was their strategy. Right Jalen Pick is 24. Hunter Tyson is 23. Uh, they, wanted, they, they weren't looking for projects. They were looking for guys who get on the floor. That may be interesting, by the way, to Zeke Naji and maybe even Vlatko Chanchar, who I think, when I look at the talent overall on this team, are behind maybe all three of their rookie picks. And we haven't even seen them play an NBA game. So in many ways, you could look at the Nuggets maybe getting deeper, but the top end of their bench, losing Bruce Brown, right. dropped off a little bit. Want to know what you think as well? 303-831-1340 is the number. We'll, we'll turn our attention to the Denver Broncos next up with their season. And maybe, maybe with the, not only a fan favorite, but one of the future stars of the team, Ready to go? We'll talk about Javante Williams next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. We are mere weeks away from the Denver Broncos training camp opening. Hope you got your tickets, because if you didn't, you're not going. That's another story. But anyway, Javante Williams right. we won't feels be he's... Either. Yeah, right. At least yeah. we won't be broadcast. Uh, yeah, but maybe not so. I mean, it seems like things are tightening I mean, we up. we will be there, under, but we uh, Yeah, well, we'll be there. But the... Over the weekend, over at Bear Creek High School, uh, Pat Sertan had his youth camp, and Javante Williams was there as well. And Williams said he was expected to be cleared for training camp. Now, he talked about saying, you know, I want to play. He also followed by said it felt good. Well, that's what what, what he said when he was asked if he would suit up for the opener. For week, for week and one. And he said, quite correctly, that's up to the team. Yeah. And added, you know, I want to play so I'm just and of course everything. we all know he wants to play he's a gamer I love him as a player uh I think he has a chance to be special given uh, the limitations of the position though I I think the Broncos would err on the side of caution uh in spite of their more recent pronouncements about his readiness fitness uh, for training camp a guy can be cleared to participate in training camp and he can be limited and not really participate uh, as a full-time part of the team at any point during training camp. Right. He's certainly not going to play in any of the preseason games. 
No, and we're seeing, of course, starters not playing a lot more and more. But it's it is interesting. He did say specifically, "I'm just doing everything they've asked me to do. Hopefully, everything continues as planned." That's the right answer. But the Broncos didn't make moves at the running back position besides Samaji Pirine. Now, we both very much like that move. Uh, Pirine's never been the featured back. Now, the idea is that even if he is the featured back at the beginning of the season, the the Broncos hope it wouldn't be too long until Javante Williams is back. Right. But I look at the situation around the league where, you know, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't signed. Kareem Hunt hasn't signed. Uh, Dalvin Cook hasn't signed. All the all these players haven't signed. Dalvin Cook apparently, by his own statement, rebuffed Miami, who everyone thought he was going to go to. Um, their prices just go down. Now, the Broncos are not going to be a preferred destination for any of those running backs for two reasons. One, the Broncos aren't a playoff team or look like they have a clear path to a playoff team. Two, everyone would know when they're signing, you're keeping Javante Williams' seat warm. I mean, that's what you're there for. Now, maybe it'd be the whole season. Maybe it wouldn't. But that's what it would be. That said, once training camp starts and you start getting to the preseason games, uh, guys got to sign somewhere. The Broncos can afford to wait. You know what they can't afford, though? They can't afford to be bad early. Well, that's true. And <laughs> yeah, I right think that. that that ties in. Now, there may be a countervailing force, otherwise known as Sean Payton, who isn't desperate to win big right away. He, he has the ability to think longer term. He's got the exactly. contract. He's got the time. Right. Very few coaches are in that kind of position. That's a great point. Very few, okay, that don't have to win big. That's how bad things have been. So he, he benefits by virtue of the fact that things have been so bad over the last seven years, and I'll document that in just a second, compared to the Broncos' first seven years in the NFL when they didn't make the playoffs in any one of those seasons. But there's really no comparison between the level of futility uh, back then and what has gone on here over the last seven years. Now, uh, yes, that isn't on him at all, him being paid. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton. However, even this ownership, having been involved for just a single year with this team, was embarrassed last year. Mm-hmm. Right? Embarrassed. Certainly. And understands that over seven years now, not only have the Broncos not been in the playoffs, they have failed to get even close to 40 wins out of every 100 games or four wins out of every 10 games. That's bad. 44 and 70 over a seven-year period. That's a little bit better than six wins a year. That's what you're talking about here. And that creates, especially with the idea that I'm, I'm sure Bronco ownership likes to think they hit a home run in hiring Sean Payton, their expectations may be grander than his, which I'm sensing could and should be more realistic. So there there are two forces coming together here. Who's going to prevail? My guess is it will be Peyton. 
Peyton's yes. voice of reason will prevail, and he will be able to successfully argue because he has the record to prove it in New Orleans that, yes, in New Orleans, we won 10 games the first year, and they were as bad over the previous six, seven years as the Broncos have been over the last six, seven years. But we can't expect that. We kind of hit the mother load, especially on Drew Brees, who is a young quarterback with a bad shoulder. Right. It was thought, anyway. Came to New Orleans, he was fine, and he had a great first year, and they went on to uh, three years into Peyton's coaching tenure there, three years into Brees' career as a New Orleans Saint. They go to the Super Bowl, and they win over some guy named Peyton Manning mm-hmm. in the Indianapolis Colts. But he's, he is able to say, look, I, I won big early on, but that can't be the expectation. And they'll have to listen to that because factually he's right. He did win big early on, and he's telling you, listen, that's that's not something that typically happens. We need a little time. I still think this year serves the purpose of weeding out the guys who are part of the losing past and separating those people from those you go forward with in the next few years. And just to draw a comparison, I gave you the 44 and 70 mark over the last seven years. The first seven Bronco NFL years were spent operating outside of the playoffs. Never made the playoffs once. First time they made the playoffs was 1977. During those years, and of course they were playing 14 games back then. I love that we have to go back to this because this is the last time the Broncos have been this bad for this long. 43, 50, and 5. They played tie games back then. Now they did overtime had started, but overtimes could end in ties. Right? Right. 43, 50, and 5, a 464 winning percentage. Versus the last seven years, 44 and 70. One more win, 20 more losses, and five fewer ties. In the last seven years, 464, the winning percentage from 70 through 76, 386 from 2016 through 2022. And it's even worse if you take out 2016 because that was the one winning season in the bunch. The difference from 70 to 76, the Broncos had a winning season in 1973 and were playing the Raiders in the final Sunday of the regular season for a chance to win the division and go to the playoffs. The next year, they went 7-6-1. and one. Then they, in 75, slumped back to 6-8, and eight, but recovered in 76 to go 9-5, and five, and that was really when we began to see the Orange Crush defense emerge And if they only had an offense, if they only had leadership at the quarterback position, if they only had a head coach who could teach his own offense, John Ralston was one of the nicest people I've ever met in sports, but he was not a great head coach. Uh, Even here in Denver, where he did have a winning record, mind you, 34-33-1 over his time in Denver. But they were 9-5, and and that's the team that Red Miller took over. And that team needed leadership, and Red provided it in spades in his first year. But they had talent. That 76 team was night and day different 
from last year's Denver Broncos team. Sean Payton is not taking over the same kind of team that Red Miller took over in right. 1977. So let, let's right. say, well, Red Miller went to the Super Bowl his first year, went to the playoffs, and, went to and the Payton's Super Bowl his more first accomplished year. than Red Why, Miller. Well, I mean, Sean Payton's yeah, sure. one of the best 25, 30 coaches in the history of football. His record says that. He spent 16 years with one organization. Uh, if not for a few bad breaks and maybe bad calls, uh, you know, would have won more. The only stain on his reputation is Bounty Gate, which resulted in a suspension of Sean Payton for the 2012 season. Sean Payton has been a head coach for 16 years. Red Miller had been a head coach for zero years when he, when he got here, but he had a team, but he had a team. And Sean Payton doesn't yet have his team. That's, he may have the, the coaches he wants. Yep. But you don't I have, have to believe he, he does. He feels he does. But he, he, this is not this is this is not a team right now that in any way will resemble the team the Broncos have even two years from now. That is maybe the most important point of this, and I think Sandy, you're you're, you're probably right in illustrating it as well as you did. Because is there reason to be optimistic that Sean Payton is here? Yes, but uh, the coach can only elevate the talent. It, this, the coaching in the end is about getting players to play at the peak of their ability, right? Well, you still have to look at the peak of someone's ability. And you have to look at the Broncos roster compared across the board. When it comes to the running game and it comes to Javante Williams, certainly they hope that he'll be ready as soon as possible. But if the Broncos are smart, they're not going to rush him because they have options internally. They signed Samaje Ryan, and you have options externally, at least at the moment, that are significant. Plug-and-play level guys. They won't want to come to the Denver Broncos, but you wait long enough, it might be the only job available. So... As, as much attention is being paid to Williams as there should be, as there is and should be, to my mind, it's way down the list of concerns for the Denver Broncos, even though it certainly is part of the interesting uh, offseason of the training camp that will be coming up in a couple weeks. We turn our attention to the Colorado Avalanche, whose season ended much earlier than they wanted it to. Injuries derailed it. A bunch of other things derailed it. Now we look at what happened in the offseason. Are they better? Are they worse? How much? We'll break it down right here on My Life Sports. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.